The burden, the desire of my heart today is to both challenge and encourage you from God's Word from 1 Kings chapter number 11. Really, it's a very sobering chapter in God's Word as we will be reading this morning from the life of King Solomon. And let's begin in verse number 1 here. We're going to read those first 13 verses. The Bible says, But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For, notice the next word, surely, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave, very interesting word, Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives, notice again the phrase, turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father, for Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Then did Solomon build in high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burned incense and sacrificed unto their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon, again, because his heart was turned away, turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice, and, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will, here's the word again, surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Howbeit I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. For the life of King Solomon this morning, I want to preach a message around the theme and just the simple title of finishing well, of finishing well. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for the word of God, and we're thankful for the examples that we have in the Old Testament of lives that we can glean from. Father, very sobering chapter in the Word of God, and I pray that our hearts would be eager to receive what you have for us. Lord, I'm so thankful for the work that you did in my heart through the Word of God in this passage of Scripture, and I pray that I could communicate that burden and share some, some simple truths here today, certainly truths that these young people probably have heard many, many times. But Father, as the Word of God tells us to remember, to remember, Father, we're so quick to forget Bible truths that are essential to finishing the Christian race well. So, Father, help us in our time this morning. 
Father, please empty me of flesh. Fill me with thy spirit, I pray, and we'll give you the glory for what you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Most of you this morning are familiar with the phrase that's often used in the sports world, and that's that phrase, finish well, or finishing well. It's pretty self-explanatory. I know they're right now in the middle of the baseball playoffs, and it, uh, of course it's a single team, but there are many players that make up that team, but one of the most important positions is that final pitcher that enters the game. In fact, he has the title, he's the closer. And what they're expecting that pitcher to do is to finish off the opponent or to finish well. Everything can go great for those first eight innings and two-thirds, but a lot can go south in that final out of the game. And really that's what we find here in this passage of Scripture. A man who we read about and we read chapter 10 of some amazing things uh, that God was doing. I'll point out a few things from chapter 10 in the message this morning, but things seem to be going along so very well, and then we see this man coming to a very, very sad finish in his life. When running a race, we understand that the most important part of the race is that final kick, whether it's a uh, middle distance race or a, a cross country race, they emphasize, hey, you have to have a good kick at the end of the race because that, that, that's what people are gonna remember, how you finish the race. Unfortunately, this morning, Many get off to a great start in life, and it's great to get off to a great start, get off to a, a good first step. I remember hearing as a young person, boy, it's so much easier when you start out right. You start out making good friends right away and making good choices early in life, and that's all true. It's good to get off to a good start, but what people remember typically is not maybe the great start that we begin with, but how we finish that race, whether we were found sprinting across the line or stumbling and tripping and falling across the line. In basketball, that phrase, finishing at the rim. Now, now some of you may understand that concept. Uh, I could have been uh, the poster child for the, the phrase, white men can't jump. I mean, that would have been me for certain. Uh, my only response was, uh, a three-point basket is worth three points. It doesn't matter how hard you dunk, it's still two points. But finishing at the rim is important. Recently, I was watching a documentary. One of my favorite basketball players from days gone by, I was a Boston Celtics fan. Are there any other safe people here today, Boston Celtics fans? All right, just a few. Well, I'll be praying for you. Uh, but I was a Larry Bird fan back in the 80s, and uh, recently they did a documentary about his life, and they were pointing out, as I was preparing for the message, it was interesting, I was just in the gym getting a little workout in, listening to this documentary, and they pointed out a player, seven foot four. I mean, if anyone should finish at the rim, Patrick Ewing should have finished at the rim. Now, he finished a lot of times at the rim, but it was amazing if you study his basketball career, how many key games he would do everything right, the move in the middle, and be at the rim and somehow miss the most important shot of all. Well, we need to understand this morning that it is the will of God that you and I get off to a good start in the race, the Christian race, that we run well the race through the middle part of the race, but it's crucial that we purpose in our heart that we're going to finish the race that God has given us to run. There's so many in the Word of God that got off to a good start but did not finish well. You think of Noah. Certainly, we would say he got off to a great start, had great faith in God to do what he did, 
but some are kind of divided on how Noah's life ended and whether we would be able to say he finished well. Certainly, King Saul got off to a great start. We understand his finish was not a good one. King David got off to a great start, had some trouble along the way. But I believe David, as he was put back on the throne, albeit he faced consequences for some very poor choices along the way throughout the race, I believe David finished the race well. Samson, Peter, we think of others. Some finish well, some finish poorly. The Apostle Paul was so consumed about finishing the race that God had given to him in Acts 20, 24, when he was speaking of all of the things he endured in the ministry, he was able to conclude. He said, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. No matter what's going on in the race that I'm involved in, these are not going to impact my life. He said, the thing that's going to impact my life is the focus, and that is to finish, he says, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He was able to say at the end of his life, familiar passage of scripture, I have fought a good fight. He felt like the fight that he was involved in was a good one, one worthy to give himself to. Let me just encourage you young people today, if God's called you to ministry, you're, you're, you're a part of a good race, a good fight, the greatest one that you could have ever been called to do. I know it's not God's will to call everyone into full-time vocational ministry, but if he has, look, understand, you're part of something great. Paul said, I have fought a good fight, one worthy of giving myself to. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He was able to say he fulfilled the race that God had given him to do. He guarded the faith. He was faithful to the end. Again, the sobering reality is people remember how we finish. As we consider the life of King Solomon, I want to point out just a few things um, about Solomon's life. If there's anyone that truly had every reason to finish well, had every opportunity afforded him to finish well, we could say it was King Solomon. Let me just remind you, to whomsoever much is given, much is required. The opportunity that you had to be a student at West Coast Baptist College, many Christian young people around the world especially, never, they don't even have a clue. They have no idea the position that you're in, being in a good place, being taught by godly people the word of God, being prepared for ministry, much is required. Certainly much was required from King Solomon, the son of Israel's greatest king, King David. Not many people could say, my father was a man after God's own heart. Solomon was the one God specifically chose to follow his father as Israel's third king. God gave him supernatural wisdom. He became the wisest man that who ever lived next to the Lord Jesus Christ. God appeared to him two times. It's interesting to me, in chapter 3, he appeared to Solomon to give him wisdom. In chapter number 9, he appeared to Solomon again to give him a warning. If you do this, it's, there's going to be bad consequences, Solomon. He met with him twice. Not many people could say that. Became the wealthiest man on the planet. Chapter number 10, the queen of Sheba was just overwhelmed with what she saw. The Bible says there was no more spirit in her. The phrase we might use today is, boy, that just took my breath away. I, 
I just I hardly know what to say after seeing something that's truly amazing. Maybe standing at the Grand Canyon for the first time, and you just, it's hard to put into words what's going through your mind. Well, what the Queen of Sheba saw of King Solomon, it, it literally, there was no more spirit in her. She said, I didn't believe it until I came. And she said, the half hasn't even been told. Certainly, a great, the greatest man on the earth spent three years building a temple for God, seven years building his own house that had no equal. He was known around the world internationally, we could say, at that time. His fame spread from one kingdom to the next. But then you come to chapter, well, I'll read the end, here, I'll read the end of chapter 10. Verse 23 and 24, the Bible says, So King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and for wisdom, and all the earth sought to Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. So certainly no one could rival King Solomon. He had every reason to finish well. But then you come to chapter 16, and isn't it amazing, even in conversation today, you can hear about a great, great report. Maybe someone's telling you about, maybe the guys are together and, they're, they're, they're wanting to maybe set you up with some girl, and they're telling you all these great things about her personality and her family and all these things. And then they insert that little three-letter word, but. And immediately, you, you begin to, to back up a little bit. I, I, I think maybe something negative is getting ready to be shared. And you come to chapter 11, and that little three-letter word, but King Solomon, that little three-letter word, just causes us to bristle. We know bad news is on the way. Things are going to be unraveling very, very quickly as far as Solomon's life. I want us to glean some truths this morning. Again, I've got to give these to you quickly. I feel like I've got too much ground to cover. We'll do our best. But some principles today. If you're going to finish the race well, the race that God's given you to run, uh, in the prayer this morning, Dr. Dr. Getz mentioned, you finished the first seven weeks. Well, will you finish the next seven weeks? Maybe you're finishing your freshman year. Will you come back your sophomore year? Will you conclude your senior year? Every phase of life, there's application here. We think of King Solomon. You may be thinking, look, I'm 20 years old. I don't have to worry about the end of my life. Every phase of life has finishing points all along the way. We're not just talking about being an older person. And by the way, I don't think 59 or 60 is a very long life. Do you? The wisest man on this earth lived such a short life because God said, if you obey me, there'll be length of days. And Solomon, in my opinion, did not have length of days because of his disobedience. But wherever you're at in life, it's important that the thing that's in front of you right now, that you finish it well. It's the will of God. You don't even have to pray about, does God want me to finish well? Well, if you're going to finish well, there's several truths we can glean from his life. Number one, if you're going to finish right, I'm telling you, young people, you better marry right. I promise you I would not be in ministry today and uh, just the blessing that God has uh, given to my life and to our church family. We would not be even as a church where we're at if God had not allowed me to meet my wife. By the way, let me just encourage you, uh, wait and be patient on the Lord. You say, boy, it's really hard. It's my last year of college. Well, let me just encourage you with this quick story. Uh, I was seeing uh, another young lady my senior year of college. My wife was seeing another young man when we met. You say, well, when did you meet? Well, hey, we met with all kinds of time left in our college careers. We met on Friday in graduation lineup before we graduated Saturday. God put us in graduation lineup side by side. 
And we were seeing other people, but I went back. I had a little apartment in town and went back and told my parents. I said, this might be crazy talk to you, but I said, I just met my wife in graduation lineup. And 13 months later, we were married and so thankful for my wife. But let me just say, if I had not married in God's will, would be where I'm at today. Any man of God would tell you that. Young men, you better remember this. It's God that has called you to preach his word. But I promise you, it will be your wife that will determine if you do God's will or how successfully you're able to do the will of God if your wife is not on board. And you, you probably, even as you're dating someone now, maybe you're seeing some troubling things. Maybe you hear some negative talk about ministry and the people of God, the men of God, and just kind of a sour attitude. You better be careful. You better marry right. You better marry right. It's so important. The Bible says there are two problems with Solomon's choices. First of all, the Bible says he loved many. I would, I would indicate that he lusted many. Um, the, God's word had made it clear uh, to kings, to all men, one man for one woman for one lifetime. Deuteronomy 17, 17, specifically to kings, it was said, neither shall he multiply wives to himself. So Solomon clearly went against the word of God. And I'll say this throughout the message. It doesn't matter how much you know today from the Word of God, how much knowledge or how much wisdom people think you have. It really comes down to your obedience. Solomon, over and over, turned away his heart, his heart. His heart didn't fully go after God. And he was the one that wrote, protect thy heart. Protect thy heart with all diligence, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep it, guard it, protect it, but keep it with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So Solomon knew, he knew what was right, clearly went against the word of God. 700 wives, 300 concubines. I mean, one reason that God, I believe, tells us in his word, one man for one woman for one lifetime is, I mean, could you imagine having 700 mother-in-laws? I mean, I, I don't, no wonder Solomon was a little depressed in the book of Ecclesiastes. No, the reason Solomon was depressed in the book of Ecclesiastes, because his heart wasn't fully going after God. No wonder he said vanity of vanities, he despaired of life. I'm just here to tell you, when, when, God's people are not wholly going after God, you will despair. You will despair and wonder, is it even worthwhile? Why I'm even here for you, lose your way. But he married 700 wives, had 300 concubines. That, that was a legal arrangement, but a lower status. It might have been the practice of kings in that day to have many wives, but it was never God's will. I believe just like Solomon's marriage to the king of Egypt's daughter, most of his wives were, he married them because of the political union that that would create a lack of faith, I would say. Solomon believed that linking to these nations through marriage would result in more security or more peace, getting along with these nations that were pagan, that, that could become his enemies. I believe it was a lack of faith. It might have helped his relationship with these other nations, but it definitely hurt his relationship with his God. You ever stop and think, when you think of Solomon, you think, well, he married all these wives. And we don't always think, lack of faith, that's why he did it. But I really believe his first step downward, first of all, he went down to Egypt to get his wife. And then we understand Egypt being a picture of the world. Any step toward the world, it's always a step down. He went down to Egypt, got his first wife, but it was, I believe, a lack of faith. The Bible records of all the horses and chariots and the stalls that he had for his horses and the riders for the horses. 
in the word of God, he made it clear to kings not to, to gather horses and chariots. It was his father who said in Psalms 20, some, they may trust in horses, chariots. He said, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. David's faith was not in political unions. It was in God. Solomon, no doubt, was, had a lack of faith. But then it says he married many, but then it says they were strange, simply meaning they were foreign. I can make a bad joke right there, but I won't, all right? They, strange simply means foreign, and we understand that. You read the list of the, the wives here that he married in their country. It's interesting to me, nations that were mentioned that God's people were told earlier, going to the promised land, that they were to eliminate. Isn't it amazing how one generation's lack of faith and completely obeying God will impact generations that follow? And here, Solomon was marrying people, these pagan wives from nations that God had already said, get rid of these nations and do not marry them or they will turn your heart away. His problems started out going down to Egypt, getting married, lack of faith. God said, do not marry them. Verse 2, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, you shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you. Notice that word, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. So many people think, well, it's not going to happen to me. And I can date that person. I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get back to this. Let's keep moving. But some people think, hey, I can handle it. No, God told Solomon, surely, surely if you marry the wrong person, it's going to have a very big impact in your life, a very negative one. I wonder how many will not finish well this college season of your life because of that boy back home. He just wants you to quit. See, I just want you to be with me. That girl back home. I miss you so much. And we could, you, they're hiring in this area. You could get a good job. We could get married. We'd be so happy. And all along the way, I'm not saying they're an evil, horrible person back home, but I'm just saying if God's will for you to be here, you better stay here, and you better not get out of God's will and get your heart turned away from what God has called you to do with your life. He brought you here. You're here because you believe he was leading you toward ministry. Be careful. Be careful in that decision. Many will not finish the race well because they marry the wrong person. They're dating the wrong person. I'll just tell you as a pastor, and every pastor will tell you, heartache story after heartache story after heartache story. Precious, precious lady in our church. Very hard for her, no doubt, to tell us. I did not listen to my parents and married the wrong person. Very sad young lady. Loved to be married right now. Loved to be thinking about a future and all that God could have. Loves the Lord. So faithful to God. But made, made a really bad choice. Went against her parents. Probably went against her pastor. They saw some things that she was blind to. I'll tell you, when it comes to who you're dating right now, there's people around you, sometimes your friends, many times your pastor, maybe teachers here at the school. They see things that it's impossible for you to see. You better listen. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And many do not finish well because they do not marry right. And you're going to marry someone that you're dating. Number two, second principle, guard your heart. Keep God first. In verses 2 through 9, verse 2 says he claved to these wives. That word clave there means clinging to. His heart should have been clinging to the Lord, clave to the Lord, but it claved to these women. 
He did not have God first in his life. Some never go into the ministry or stay in the ministry because they don't want to disappoint a parent. Says, you're not going to make any money. You're, you're going to have trials. Your grandparents, maybe your grandpa just looks at you and says, son, what, 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 what are you thinking? Maybe friends back home. Who's influencing your life? Some never go or stay into the ministry because they're influenced by others and they do not keep God first. Their hearts cling to people and their opinions versus what God has clearly spoken to your heart about. Luke 14, 26, the Bible says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Some of you may not continue being a disciple, a follower of Christ, and fulfill the will of God if you put your love for people above your love for God. You've got to keep God first. The Bible says his heart was turned away to false gods. Over and over, turn away. Surely they will. Turn away to incline to, to make receptive toward. Solomon's poor finish. There were gradual steps here. He married them. He tolerated their worship. He built temples for them. And before it was over, he was worshiping with them. Not that he abandoned God altogether, but he was adding gods, if you will, kind of practicing what the pagan people of the day did. Hey, they might not have a problem accepting Jehovah God if they could just add Jehovah God to a list of their other gods. But he had a divided heart. He never um, abandoned completely the worship of God, but he became an idolater. And we understand God is a jealous God, and that's just not compatible with following the Lord. God must be first. How many people can finish a race in first place? How many people can, can rise to the top? Well, only one person. Who can have supreme, the supreme place in our life? Can several? No, truly, it can only be one, and it needs to be God. Keep God first. Verse 3, 4, and 9, again, turned away. It says, his heart was not perfect. The idea of entirety, to the fullest extent. It wasn't wholly dedicated to God. And again, some people think, you know, I don't really have to like wholly follow after God. And I can keep a few things here going on the side. You will not finish well. Mark it down. You will not finish the race well if your heart is not completely to its fullest extent going after God. It says he went after false gods. That little phrase went after to be in agreement with. Well, who are some of the gods he was in agreement with? Some wicked pagan gods. Ashroth, the Phoenician fertility goddess. All sorts of ungodly, unbelievable practices would take place at their temples. Male and female prostitutes and all of the wickedness that was involved with worship of a god. He went after, the Bible says, these gods. Molech, the Canaanite god, again, connected to immorality and known for sacrificing children. A murdering god. Chemosh, the abomination of Moab. He went not fully after the Lord to the possible extent. How many half-hearted Christians finish well? Well, not many. Not many. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Luke 10, 27, And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. That communicates to me, hey, that's wholly going after God. You say, Pastor Fox, I've heard my whole life, keep God first. It doesn't matter how many times you've heard that. 
What are you doing right now? If you're going to finish well, you've got to marry right, and you've got to make sure Christ keeps the supreme place in our heart. Our love for him must be supreme, or we may not finish well. Number three, we've got to recognize our weaknesses. Again, I believe Solomon's weaknesses were lack of faith, certainly lust, and I would say pride. Those are three that stood out to me. Hey, the larger your harem, the safer you are, the more satisfied you're going to be, and the more noticed you will become. Lack of faith, pleasure of sin, the flesh, pride. Look, all, look at all those who will look at me and think, what a man Solomon is. The Queen of Sheba came to him in chapter 10, and literally, Solomon, you are the man. I mean, you're amazing. And how true it is in the Christian life, if we're not careful and recognize some of those weaknesses in our own life, our lack of faith, we're not careful with our flesh, we're always flirting right up to the edge and think, hey, I can handle that. Probably can't. Maybe in the area of music, just playing around with it. Young people, you're in Bible college. Why are you still listening to the music you did as a rebellious teenager? I mean, really, you're in Bible college. You're preparing to serve God. Hey, you got to cut that stuff out. It's going to influence your life. Your heart's still divided maybe with your music, maybe with media choices. Hey, Instagram, Snapchat, these YouTube videos, they're, they're not like completely, but you're just like you're just gratifying the flesh, teasing it, staying close to the edge. I'm telling you, there's a great chance you will not finish well if you don't recognize those weaknesses and run. Playing with sin, you have to, like Joseph, run. 2 Timothy 2.22, the Bible says, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord of a, of a pure heart. Romans 13, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Certainly not going to mention a single name. But every young person here knows a story, don't you? You all know a story of some great Christian man or woman, some great pastor, some great missionary, some great evangelist, some great Sunday school teacher, some great deacon. We're not throwing any stones. If the wisest man that walked on the earth, the son of King David, who God appeared to twice, who blessed and, hey, it wasn't like Solomon needed things. Like, to, like many people think they've got to have more if they're going to be happy. Solomon had everything that the human mind could have imagined. And they, they didn't have to be wrong if they were kept in their rightful place. But I'm just saying, if King Solomon, the wisest man, could stumble and fall and leave this world, I believe, prematurely, who do I think I am today? It's always lack of faith that where sin begins. I just don't know if God's enough, if I can really trust him. Our flesh is going to battle us to the day we die and our pride. Boy, things start going better. Hey, people are starting to recognize me on the campus. Get invited to maybe be a part of some team and travel and represent. And Boy, I'm, I'm getting recognized here and there. Boy, my pastor back home, he's starting to ask me to preach now. And they, they want me to come home, play the piano now in services. If you're not careful, that pride, that ego, you'll be lifted up like many have. 
You know, it's amazing. I'll share this. I, we've, we've, got to, we've, got, we've got to keep moving. This is important right here, though. Let me encourage you. Anyone that goes into ministry, as God blesses, one of the most dangerous things is when, when people tell you about it. Boy, Pastor, now that was a message. And you know what? You start believing them. Well, it was, wasn't it? Church is finally out of debt, and we're able to have a little staff now, and boy, visitors coming, and a few folks joining along the way. Stop trusting God, lack of faith. You know, you, I mean, they're, they're, they'll be, they'll, I don't know if they'll all be here, but there'll be enough here. We'll be able to pay the bills and keep things moving. Our flesh is fed as people give encouraging words. And I know people are trying to encourage, and, and it all has its rightful place to encourage God's people, God's men, servants of the Lord. I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm just saying you better be on guard because Satan can certainly use that. Pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So you better recognize your weaknesses, whatever they are, lack of faith, pride, the flesh, Maybe it's something different. Stay away from it. Quit playing with those things. Hey, when you have a little cancer, you don't just say, could you just remove part of that? No, you want them to get it all out because it's crucial. Number four, quickly, remember that sin will take you further than you ever imagined, you ever thought it would. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, verse 6, and went not fully after the Lord as David his father. Sin took Solomon further much further. You know what the main difference between David and Solomon was? Although David had some bumps along the road and some committed some horrible sins, David never, com- never went into idolatry, and you find record of David repenting. But you don't find that record with King Solomon. And no doubt, King Solomon would have never said, one of these days, I'm going to, I mean, he built the temple of God. One of these days, I'm going to build temples for little g-gods. And I'm, I'm going to worship them too. He, he would have never, ever dreamed that could be possible. Sin always takes you to places and you look back and think, how in this world did I end up in this mess? Just gradualism, little steps, little lack of faith, little pride, little, all of these things, gratifying the flesh, playing around with sin. All of these things. It always takes us further. Solomon never dreamed this would happen. Number five, remember, when we do not finish well, there's because of sinful choices, there's always consequences. It's God's law of the harvest. I know you know that. Again, it's not do you know it, but do you believe it? And are you fearing that? Galatians 6, 7, 8, be not deceived. God's not mocked. Whithsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Solomon paid, paid dearly. We'll look at those consequences in a moment. But let me just say, you cannot be out sowing sin and then pray and ask God for crop failure. It just doesn't happen. It's God's law of the harvest. The boomerang will come back. What happened to King Solomon? Verse 9, what a statement. God was angry with him. I don't want God to be angry with me. We do not want God to be angry with us. Pastor Lastly, my pastor there in Great Buffalo Ridge Baptist Church for almost nine years. When I was a young person, I didn't always get it, but he always make this statement. Boy, we want the smile of God upon our lives. Oh, boy, we, we don't want to lose the smile of God upon our lives. 
uh, the longer I live, the more I understand what he was communicating there. We do not want the consequences of finishing poorly. God said the kingdom would be taken away from him. God raised up two enemies from without. And many times, hey, we'll face reaping from the world. But sometimes we, we reap from within. Even from within, Jeroboam was raised up. It said God raised these people up against Solomon. And again, he died a young king. Many believe 19 or 20, but when he began to reign, reigned 40 years and he died. 59 or 60 seems like such a short life. Don't shorten your race, young people. Remember, if we're going to finish well, there's a price tag of taking that road when God says, hey, this is the path. Walk in it. Number six, remember, I hope this will encourage your heart. Blessings are connected to obedience and a good finish. Blessings are connected when we finish well. Well, I'll tell you, as a youth pastor, there were days that I was just honestly wanting to throw in the towel. I mean, I, for the cl graduating class that year, I was their fifth youth pastor. That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing at all. I mean, disillusioned, angry, discouraged young people. And I'll tell you, it wasn't easy. I had a parent look at me one time as a young, as a young youth pastor. Well, Brother David, I'd love for my son to go with you and be a part of this mission trip. He says, I just don't have any confidence in the leadership, though, that's taking them. And I was like, uh, oh, you're talking about me right there. I mean, and, and it, it, I'm just telling you, sometimes people, they're mean. Young people, they're mean. Our very first youth activity, it was such a blessing. It was a Sunday night after church. The gym was closed on Sunday, but we would go over there for fellowship. Very first youth activity, uh, about five or six boys attacked the door where all the equipment was in bust out the entire door jam and door down and just started kicking balls and throwing and it was just chaos. That was, that was a real blessing for a youth pastor for the very first youth activity. I'm just saying, I wanted to quit. But let me just say, I'm thankful by God's grace and for, to God's glory through a good pastor that just kept encouraging me and encouraging me. We stayed and, and God just turned the thing around. There are blessings that come with finishing that it was blessings connected with finishing that phase in my ministry in my life. It was there young people today that are in ministry, faithful servants, deacons, pastors, wise missionaries. I'm just saying God's been good. And I'll just tell you, that puts a lot of fuel in the tank when you're a little discouraged in the Christian life. When you see, hey, there's some lasting fruit there. Some of you, and what's so sad, some people quit right on the very edge of great blessing. You might be thinking, man, I just don't know if it's worth it to stay here in school. And, and you, you can't see it, but you're like right on the edge of blessing. The lack of faith, pride, flesh, it gets you out of the will of God, what God wants you to do. So many blessings. If thy children keep, will keep my covenant, my testimony that I shall teach them, their children shall also sit upon the throne forevermore. God told them over and over and over, if you do this, if you do this. It's what we tell our children. One of the first things you tell your, your children is what God told David, what God told Solomon, what God told Jeroboam. If you do this, if you do this, hey, you're going to be glad that you did. But if you do this, you're not going to be glad that you did. One of the first things that parents teach their kids, there's blessing to obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. 
This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate there and day and night that thou mayest. Um, let me just finish it. My mind, I'm having a senior moment here. Good success, a prosperous blessing on your life. You'll get old and, you, and you'll have those moments too. But God promised there in Joshua 1 8, you'll be prosperous. You shall have good success. So many blessings when you marry the right person. Wait, marry the right person. So many blessings. Proverbs 10 7. I've got to wrap this up. Our time is gone. Proverbs 10 7 says, The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. I know you're a young person, but you know what? If time tarries, you're going to die. And people are going to talk about you. They're going to say stuff about you at the very end of your physical life. I'll tell you one thing. It's a blessing when people can stand behind a pulpit and talk about your faithfulness to the Lord, how you finish what God gave you to do. You finish the race well. So many blessings. Just write these down and we'll pray. Number seven, if you do not finish well, it always hurts others, impacts others. Some of you were the superstars of your youth group. All the kids back home, and when you come home, you're a celebrity. How will they be impacted if you just threw in the towel and walked away from God? You never finish poorly alone. You always take others with you. Ezra 9.2, they were dealing with Solomon's sins centuries later. And number eight, it's always too soon to quit. It's not going to be easy. It never has been. Determined to finish well by God's grace. Determined to finish well. Solomon had every reason to end well. So do we. We have no excuses. If we do not finish our race well, we'll have no one to blame. Just like Solomon, I'll close and we'll pray. You are writing your own story. And the chapter that really is going to mean a lot to a lot of people is the conclusion. Chapter 1, I mean, it has a conclusion. You want Chapter one story to be good, and you want Chapter two story, and you might be in Chapter five story. You want every chapter in your life, whatever God gives you to do, you want to finish well by the grace of God. We do that when we look into Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. Solomon claved to these women when he needed to be clinging to God. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep trusting him and ask God for grace to finish your race well. Remember these truths.